But if you got it all ready to read, let me know. Raise your hand and say, I got it. I got one. Okay, I see a couple hands. Okay. But if you'll read with me this morning, and it's, the scripture says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on a foil of beast of burden. The disciples went and did this as Jesus directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt and put the cloaks on, or put their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut out branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered the whole city, it was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Father God, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, it's been a week. It's been a battle. But God, we've made it to this moment right now, Lord, to hear this word. So God, I ask that you just touch me, Lord. Give me the strength and the voice to preach the message that you need to be preached this morning. And touch us, Lord, right this very moment. And let those that are listening to this sermon, Lord, to this teaching, to this truth, Lord, let them have itching ears, Lord, that it'll go down in between their two ears into their brain and down into their hearts, Lord, so that way they can be transformed by you and by your word and by your promise. Lord, I ask this in the name that's above every other name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Lord, we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, I love this scripture. I love this time of year. Let me tell you, this is the easiest time of year sometimes for pastors, because we already know what we're going to preach on the year before. We're not looking always for the special message, but guess what? God always likes to show something even greater when we start studying and we start preparing and we start seeking his face and asking God, God, what do we need that's a fresh new message today? And he says, I want to talk about who I am and what people encounter. If you've ever been with me and heard me preach, you know that I always talk about what's going on in life. We all know it's a hard life, right? If you have a hard life, you got it. If you don't have a hard life, tell your neighbor I'm lying. Because here's the truth. It's not easy. Let me tell you, waking up with no power this morning, going and shivering to death at 54 degrees in my house, it would have been so much easier to wrap myself up as a human burrito and say, I'm done, I'm not preaching, call somebody else this morning. But there's got to be a determination within us to keep moving forward. And that's where we're at today. You see, if you look at the story about where Jesus was doing ministry around the, the, the beginning part of the A.D. time frame, 
You know that you study it. You know what's going on inside of Jerusalem. You have the Israelis, the, the, uh, the, the people of Israel, God's chosen people living in a nation occupied by the Romans. Having all kinds of different influences coming in, trying to get them to change their ways and to be something like what they want them to be. But that's not always what the case is. You see, these people, they were stubborn. They were hoping for something greater. But yet they didn't understand what God was really up to. And I think it's the same way today. We are stubborn people. If you ask my wife, am I stubborn? She will tell you unresoundingly, I am completely a stubborn mess. She says, good luck ever changing my mind. She says, I always say I'm right. I said, always, I'm always right until you prove me wrong, right? You ever tell your spouse or somebody like that? I'm always right, but unless you prove me wrong, then I'm always right. But what I'm trying to get at is, we are always encountering something so great. And in today, we're looking for people to get up in front of us and lead us. We're looking for something that will direct our path. We're looking for something that will give us hope. In America, we have our president that we vote for. We have our leaders that we put in the Congresses. We have all these people that we say, we want you to write the laws and the edicts of the land and let us know what we should do and how we should do it, and we'll protest if we don't agree with it. But we're trusting you to lead us. But there's got to be something greater. If I look back at history, most people would have told you in the early 1900s, never trust a politician. I don't think it's ever changed. Never trust a politician. Lord knows, I read what they say, and I'm like, okay, they're probably going to tell me this, but they're really going to do this. What am I trying to get at? I'm trying to say that we need to find the right kind of leader. The right kind. If you look at the first point this morning, it says kings were meant to lead and protect the people. The leaders of the time that people wanted were meant to lead, to direct them how to go, which way to walk, how to grow. The, the, the same is true within the church. The pastor, my position is meant to be a visionary, trying to ask God, God, which way do you want us to go? Show me which way to walk and get up and be the voice that says we need to go this way because this is what the Lord is telling me. But it's also about protecting the people. You see, that's what we always want. We want protection. We want the easy life. We want the comfort. And that's why we hand off the challenges to somebody else around us. If you don't believe me, look at the scriptures. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 7, it tells us that, that the people of Israel, after all of the judges had passed away, and after Samuel was getting older, they started going, who is going to lead us? And so they said to Samuel, then all the elders of Israel gathered and came to Samuel at Rahem and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like the nations. But this thing despised or displeased Samuel. And they said, Give us a king to judge us. 
And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they do not reject you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Let me let that sink in for a minute. We had a generation of people that were led by God, walked with God, witnessed God's miracles, hand and foot, walking through the wilderness, going into the promised land, getting something they didn't earn. But yet all they kept looking at is we want somebody to lead us that we could see and touch. But the bad part is, it's the same thing in our society today. We always want to go to somebody we can see. We always have idols. I mean, that's why you have the TV show American Idol, right? They got great voice. We want to idolize them. My wife keeps telling me she's going to join the show one time. And I said, I'll cheerlead you on, but I'm not getting up there to sing. But here's where we got to get right. The problem with people was that we keep going into battles after battle, not knowing who to trust. We keep fighting these battles in our lives, and we're saying, I got to do this. I go seek some influence over here. They give me advice over there. Okay, this is right. I mean, have you ever had some bad situation happen, and the first thing you do is you go and talk to your, your best friend and say, this is such a horrible mess. I need your input. I need you to lead me in which way I should go. You see, what we have to get to is to a place where we start trusting something deeper. Otherwise, we get some bad, wicked leadership advice going on. Let me tell you what happened to Israel. They asked for a king. You know what they got? They got a king. They got a man named Saul. The Bible says that he was tall, he was handsome, he was elegant, and he was a man of valor. But yet, there was a struggle within him. They got what they wanted because they were looking at all the influences on the outside. They were looking at all the influences of the kings around them and said, we got to have somebody like them. Somebody like them. We want somebody like we've already seen. So God gave them what they wanted. He was great for a hot second. And then, all of a sudden, his heart didn't follow after God. He was disobedient to God's uh, prophet. He didn't wait for Samuel. So he started doing the wrong things and got himself in the wrong positions. I mean, you got to think about it. In your life, what do you chase after? What is it that you want the most? Here's another question for you. When you're looking at a spouse or somebody you wanted to date, what did you look for? Were you looking for the handsome, tall, dark, and perfectly beautiful, dreamy kind of man? Men, or were you looking for the supermodel? I mean, you got to think, we're looking for what the world tells us we want to because what they, what they tell us we should want. But it never turns out the way it should. Because what the problem is, is we don't focus on the need, but on the personal wants. 
Okay, Brother Mike, you said preach it again. We always want what we don't need, but what we want. Let me tell you, I live in a time and an era growing up in the 80s where we had credit cards. You wanted it, you put it on plastic. We still have it even more today. Oh, my best friend had a Palm Pilot. I had to go buy a Palm Pilot. Let me tell you, I had immediate regret when I bought the Palm Pilot. I spent a fortune on this thing, and I said, all it does is make me want to throw the little stylus pen through the device. If you don't know what a Palm Pilot is, it was one of the first, like, personal uh, display. It was like a touchscreen with a stylus. You ever get uh, angry with those little signature pads at this grocery store? It was even worse. It was buyer's remorse. The same's true in our marriages and sometimes in our relationships. You know, I, I know of one guy that, that, that he started dating this one girl because he said, man, I don't know how I got her. She was smoking hot, perfect. I want to get engaged to her. And my friend went up to him and said, hey, are you sure you should marry her? I want you to do one thing and one thing only. He says, what? Ask God if she's the right one. And he says, no, she's good. She's awesome. God brought her because she's smoking hot. It wasn't until two weeks later that he got into a fight. She put her foot on that brake from the passenger seat, kicked him out of the car, and left him. She had some anger issues going on that she didn't know how to rectify. She might have been smoking hot on the outside, but she was a horrible mess on the inside. And I say that really quickly to make one real quick point for you. That is the truth that our hearts need to become so in tune and in line with what God is asking. Because point number two is God's choice for the proper king is the inward heart. The inward heart. The thing that drives us. You see, I struggle with the inward heart. Because there's so much that gets in here sometimes that gets muddied up. And I have to ask, why is it getting muddied up? And then I realize that I have issues that, that I have to get fixed and I have to keep getting it washed by the blood of Christ. You see, King Saul was the same way. He wanted to serve God. He got excited when he was serving God. Saying, I get to be king? Really? I don't deserve this. I come from a small tribe. I'm not worthy of it. But he said, okay, I'll do it. But then he didn't do the thing that he needed to do, which was to always keep going to God and asking him, touch me, clean me, make me new, show me what you want. And what we find is that turmoil led Samuel to go on one more mission. See, Samuel got so displeased with, with Saul, and God heard him, and he said, I'm going to call up another after Saul that will become the king. But there's one stipulation within this man that will not be the same. And that's his heart. If you know the scriptures, you know who he calls up next. Samuel gets sent on a mission. He gets sent out to the, the, the countryside. And in and, and Sam, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 7 through 12, it tells us, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Can I just stop right there? I'm so thankful that the Lord sees greater than I ever could. 
Because there is a lot of times in this world I get buyer's remorse. My wife hates shopping with me sometimes. I'll go and want to buy something. I'll go to the store, look at it, and then I walk out the store. And she says, why didn't you buy it? I don't know. I just, I, I got to think about it. Go back again a week later. I do the same thing. I look at it. It comes usually about two months later. I buy the gadget that I was looking at. And she says, why didn't you buy it the first time? I said, I don't know. I have to do my research. I have to do this. And then she hates it even worse. I get the device home a week later. Did I really need to spend that money and do all of this and that for it? Or is this really what I needed to do? Not realizing that I had spent months already calculating the cost and benefit analysis of what I was trying to do. You see, we live our life the same way. We're trying to wage or measure out the precise what its value is. Is it going to be a benefit? But we have to understand, there are some things in this world you cannot calculate on your own. And that's why it's so important for the church to realize right here, right now, that it's what God sees that we have to trust. It is what God is calling good that we have to trust. It is what God is calling forward that we have to go forth. That's why when there's some kind of new stuff going on, and it seems a little weird, but if it's of God, we have to trust it. But the scripture keeps reading on. It says, God, the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Ananab and on the outside of the appearance or, and made him uh, pass before Samuel. And Samuel said, neither the Lord has chosen this one. Then Jesse sent Shaham and passed by. And he said, neither the Lord has chosen this one. And then Jesse made the seven sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of these your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him. And now was a rowdy with beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord says, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. You see, what I'm trying to get at is, the church has been for so long looking for their king, their ruler, the one that's supposed to lead them. I think last week I said something about there's some bad preachers in this world. Preachers that say, I can do the work, but I'm not called. Preachers that say, I can do it because I'm charismatic, but they got no anointing in them. And they lead the people astray, and they wonder why they get hurt. Let me tell you right now, it's not going to ever be the pastor that you look for. The pastor is just a steward that's standing in the place, loving people, leading, and doing what God's called them to do. Always measure out what is always happening according to the word of God. If it's contrary, do not follow it. But what I'm really trying to get at is, we need to check and see what the heart of God is truly saying in the world today. Samuel, he got up there, and I know he was looking at all of Jesse's sons, and he says, oh, I got a good idea of what God wants. He wants somebody that's beautiful but has something right. He's got to have a heart, right? Yeah. So he goes and sees the first son, and he says he was strong, mighty, and he's like, this has got to be it, right? And when God said no, I felt Samuel getting a check. 
Can I ask a question? Have you ever had that kind of thing, that check where God's checking you in your heart and you know it's Him without a doubt and you know it's a situation that you should be listening to Him on but yet you choose not to? A situation where you've been asking God, God, give me the clarity and the vision to do what you need me to do but, but when you get the answer, you're like, no, I can't do that. I'm sure that's how Samuel felt. I'm sure exactly that's how Samuel felt. But what we have to realize is that what God is setting up in the story of all of eternity is God is looking at David and he's saying, you wanted a king that you thought was like the rest of them, but I'm going to call forth a king that was a man after my own heart. He's not perfect. Lord knows if we get into the stories and inside of 1 Kings and all the rest of the Second Samuels, and we can find that all the kings that were of David and after David didn't have the perfection. But God was setting up a story of, of truth, of what he was wanting to wake up. And when he said whatever comes through, when he set the prophecies forward, where he says, out of the seed of David, I will call forth the Messiah. He was setting the precedence of our hope. I told you, pull that set point two side up again, Yetta. Where the king, uh, where God's, chose, or God's choice for the proper king is the inward heart. What I'm asking right now, the church, what's in your inward heart? Because I'm going to tell every single one of you in here right now, if you've got breath, you've got influence. You don't realize it. Everybody's like, what is God going to use me for? God wants to use you. You just don't realize how he's going to use you. It might just be inviting and being nice to somebody. It might be being the vessel or being the Bible that nobody's ever going to read, but they're going to see it in your daily life. It might be just your choices. And what God is trying to get you to wake up to is that the king is always going to have the inward heart. And he's trying to wake that same heart up within his people right now. He's trying to say, will you follow me? Will you chase after me? Will you pursue me? Will you get the right kind of heart that I need in you? Will you let it be checked and seen to be good? Because what Proverbs 4 and 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the spring of life. There's a comedian out there. He likes to say, check your heart. Trust me, I love it. Every time he's always got some really funny spins, and he's like, just check your heart. Yeah, you got to check your heart every single day. It's funny because it's true. Every day I got to get up, Lord, check my heart. Every day, Lord, is it good? Every day, Lord, is it pleasing? Every day, Lord, Lord, is it aligned to what you have and want? And what we have to really get to is to where we start trusting God and his choices. Because the kind of king that God wants to bring to us today, even through David's own faults and his imperfection as a king, and even the imperfections that came from his wise son were not enough 
to lead us. Can I say that again? David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't enough to lead us. Solomon was known as the wisest man in all time because God blessed him with the wisdom to make the good decisions. But he wasn't enough to lead us. And the rest of the descendants that came after it were not enough. And I think it's so interesting that what God is trying to proclaim to the church today is that we need to see the real king. The one that will lead us. The one that will not forsake us. The one that loves us. Because what the church needs to do, if you'll put up point three real quick, Yetta. The church needs to look for the proper godly king full of wisdom and a heart for his people. I'm going to let that sink in for you a minute. David was a man after God's own heart. The problem with David was he got his eyes off the prize. Solomon was full of wisdom, but he lost his prize. He didn't keep focused. He wasn't looking after the people. Let me tell you, God's plan for humanity was not of evil, but of good. What does that look like? For the longest time, people wondered. They went to the, if you look at the story of Israel and you see how they got cast off into Babylon because of all of their transgressions against God, not keeping them holy, keep serving the other gods and all these different things. And they would cry out, God, save us. God, save us. I mean, that's, if you think about it, that's what Hosanna means. God, save us. They would keep crying out, God, save us from this wickedness. God, save me from this horrible people. They're not acting like they're supposed to. God, do this. God, do that. And it shows you the heart of God. David didn't have the heart for the people. David had a heart for God. Solomon had the wisdom. But God looked at that lineage and said, there's only one way to fix the issue. I got to put some of me into them. And that's where Jesus came in because the Bible was, was clear and, and concise in the fact that it said that Mary was known by the Holy Spirit and she conceived a son. And that son had God's nature within him along with David's nature in him and all of these good truths that were coming through it. And God was creating the perfect, almighty, righteous king that we need to have. But yet, the church keeps struggling. And it's nothing new. I mean, if you look at it, the people of, 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 of Jerusalem, as he's walking in or riding in on the donkey, as he's riding in and they're yelling, Hosanna, 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 son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. They were crying out, save us. But the video was clear and concise. He would disappoint them. He would disappoint them. But if he was a, a, a king, a godly king full of wisdom, and he had a heart for the people. But why would he disappoint them? Because what they were pursuing after wasn't right. Church, 
I don't want to beat up on anybody. But we got people today that would rather come in here and sing worship songs and get a little emotional bubbles going, oh, I feel so blessed and highly favored. They would walk in here and say, I'd rather just get a little whiff of what God's got going on in heaven and I'm good and I can get back in my life. I can go do this. I can go back on my dating mingle site well, even though I'm married and do this and that. Let me tell you, the struggle within the church today, within the Christian faith today, is that heart for God. I didn't tell you the title of my message. The title of the message that God could not get me off of, let the king of my heart be the one that I'm coming from. You see, God's got a king-sized king heart for you. He put Jesus into motion. He didn't let him go. And when people kept saying, we're going to put you as king, he kept saying, it's not my time yet. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. You don't understand. You want to put me on a throne. I'm not going to go onto this earthly throne. You want to put me into a place where I'll lead you and kick out Rome. But that's not the plan. I know the things in your heart, says the Lord. That's what we have to understand. God knows what's in your heart. And he knows that you might be going through some tribulation right now. But let me tell you, joy does come in the morning, but it doesn't always come the way you want it. The people were shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna. Save us. Save us. And what God was trying to say is, I'm going to save you. And it's going to happen in three days. But you've got to wait and see. And that's what we're building up to as, as Easter gets ready to go to. Because what we have to start aligning our hearts to is the heart that we need for God. Amy, if you'll get the guys in grew up here. You see, the story of God's wonderful love story for us is one where he says, I'm going to set up a king of kings and a lord of lords who you can exalt and praise. You can trust him with everything you have. But that's your choice. That's your choice. You can look at the life you're living right now and keep crying out, save me, Lord, and make my life look like I got millions of dollars in the bank and I can live comfortably. You can live your life right now where you can say, God, I want you to be the kind of God that will give me the house and the comfort and I don't have to deal with anybody else that will cause me to have a bad life. Or you can start checking your heart and saying, God, I want to have a heart that looks to the king who would go to the cross. I want to have a heart that looks to my king that would look at my mess and my sin and my transgressions and say, I can't leave you there any longer. We have to have a heart that would look at God and say, God, it's not enough. I don't want what the world has anymore. I want heaven on earth heaven on earth. I want to have a God who's my king, the one that was rejected by Israel. I want to have the God that's going to lead me to the still waters when I need that rest. I'm going to go and have a God that will lead me to the mountaintops after I've dealt with the valley seasons of this life. I want to have a God who's the king of my life leading me. Saying even though I mess up, his righteous right hand will lift me back up. 
I want to have a God that says I loved you, that I would bankrupt heaven and send Jesus in the form of flesh, fully God and fully man, and place him on the throne. If you'll sing with me this morning, if you'll stand with me, they're going to sing a song real quick. And I just want you to listen to the lyrics and, and, and ask that God speak to you through these. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are trumpet come. 
There's going to be a day where Jesus is not going to come in on this world riding on a donkey any longer. If you look at Revelations chapter 19, what we know for truth is that the enemy is defeated because Jesus comes in not on a donkey, but on a white horse, on the royal horse. And what he's going to do, he's going to come in and he's going to have the insignia that says that who he is, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if he's that, what can the world give you? If he's that, what can you doubt? If he's that, why are you still fighting against him? It's time to tell him how good he is. Tell him how awesome he is. Tell him how good he is. down. He's always on time. He's always moving. And what I want you to understand is he wants to be the king of your heart. But it's time to decide today. It's time to declare today, I'm done with the filthy rags of this world. But it's all about what's going to happen. I told you we're going to be praying this week to accept the king into this church. He's here right now. He's waiting for someone right now to come down and say, I'm done with what I've encountered. I'm ready to have the new life. He's waiting for you to make the first steps because he loves you. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning that wants to know him as your Lord and Savior that does not know who he is? Is there anybody this morning I'm waiting. I feel like God's got to say, is saying that there's got to be one hand at least this morning. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning? If that's you online, let us know who you are. Because I know this ministry is far beyond this building because people are watching all around the world. But I know somebody needs to hear this truth. He is your king if you will just receive. The Lord has established him for this time. Right now, he let him go to the cross to pay for your punishment and your sin. It's time to accept him. But we have to choose. We have to choose. Stop trying to calculate the measure that you've gotten and accept his blessings in return. Accept his truth and his honesty with you. Father God, Lord, right now, I just thank you for who you are. Lord, I praise you for your name and your glory, Lord, that you're worthy of it all. Lord, right now, I ask you to touch each and every one of us, Lord.
Touch those that are watching on the live stream that couldn't be in the house of the Lord this morning because of the power outages. Lord, I know the enemy's really trying hard to stop the church, but this church is not going to stop because we're powered by your truth. We're powered by your love. If we didn't have power in the building, we'd still be in the parking lot, Lord, because we want to hear what you want to say to us. God, we need you to be the king of every moment of our life because we need that Savior King, the one that was set to lead us, to guide us, to have wisdom and truth, but also to have a heart for us so that when we fall down, we can get back up trusting God that your word says we'd be forgiven. God, we need you to allow us to be sanctified and filled with this, this, this nature of God called the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need that power to go through our lives, God. To touch us, to anoint us, to preach to us, Lord. To speak to us, to guide us, Lord, in everything that we have. Touch us, Lord, in this building, Lord. Touch us at the home, Lord, online, Lord. Touch those that will hear this message at a later date, Lord. But God, have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord, but let us have a heart for the King as we welcome him every single day into our lives, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let us pray, proclaim that daily, Lord, as we trust that you come and trust you with the outcome. God, touch us in this place. Touch us as we get ready to go home this morning. Lord, touch each and every one of those that are here. Touch those at home. Touch those without power, Lord. And give us strength to get through every single day. But God, we give it all to you. We trust the King, Lord. And we just give it to you, Jesus. And amen, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. I'm a little hot up here this morning. But I'm thankful that you came this morning. I'm thankful for every single one of you challenge you if you're here next week invite somebody bring somebody Lord, drag them by the ear if make you have. me a house but give them a hand. make me